What's Good Friends List episode 85 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. Through its roller coaster development, Halo Infinite still remains Microsoft's headline title for the first year of the Xbox Series X's life, and beyond, with its supposed 10-year plan. But it doesn't sound like that's the only thing coming from the Halo universe. So, this week, we examine the new reports surrounding the second Halo project we previously reported on that developer 343 Industries has in the pipeline. Does a new Halo War seem to fit the bill after its rumored existence last year? What does the bandwidth of the franchise look like for the genres it can support given its current state in the zeitgeist of gaming? We dig around and try to make sense of it all. Plus, CD Projekt Red seems to have been the victim of a recent ransomware attack, which saw the selling of some of its franchise's source codes, including The Witcher 3 and Cyberpunk 2077. What end goal comes with paying the rumored hefty $7 million price tag for source codes of already backed up titles outside of cheats? Also, Microsoft has announced the creation of a new subsidiary to coincide with their acquisition of ZeniMax and Bethesda, called simply Vault. What does this mean for the state of the IP and their future? Not to mention the ever-evolving discourse surrounding their exclusivity. All of this and much more on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Bridget. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz I ask you to do every week. Wherever you get a podcast at, follow us on there. And... Follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, Vigi Games Like, and our dope giveaways. As always, I'm your host, as always, too, Travis White, aka Travis, on most internet platforms. Joining me, my co pilot, my partner in crime, Mike P Pack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And, you know, normally, like, I try to find some interesting question, but I'll be honest, I was running around like fucking crazy today <laughs> trying to make the, uh, trying to make our record time, getting stuff done at work, working from home, yada, yada. So I'm just going to keep it simple. What have you been playing? What's good? What's going on? What have you been playing? Going back to the well on that one, but what have you been playing, man? Um, yeah, me, I've just been playing, uh, you know, we've been playing a little bit of the new patch on Call of Duty, mm -hmm. um, um cold war the new zombies patch just kind of enjoying some of that um been, really digging that map really digging. yeah that map. just genuinely just been like enjoying um the zombies on that um i feel like they really made some good changes and and updated it at the right time with the right kind of tweaks to really make zombies like a fresh experience if you will mm -hmm. um also n notable thing that i've been playing besides like phasmophobia here and there mm -hmm. um csgo uh i've been playing a lot of um i've been playing a lot of uh halo still because there are tournaments going on for that so i've been enjoying that a mm -hmm. lot um 
but outside of that, I have been uh, actually delving into um, a little bit of Fallout New Vegas again, just trying to get a playthrough done of that. So Ooh. overall, just been mixing it up, you know, quite a significant amount, enjoying yeah. it, uh, having fun, um, doing my thing, playing those different games. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I've actually been playing playing some some fresh titles, if you will. Uh, there's still a lot that I want to play, but I have a lot on my docket with work and, and, and trying to do some other stuff here at the new house that I just moved into. So, yeah, I've just been, been having fun. Yeah, definitely. No, and that's that's you sound like me a couple weeks ago where it's like trying to f- like focus in on something I wanted to play and having my hand in a bunch of different cookie jars like which is good. And, and I like doing that sometimes compared to being completely drawn into one game. Um, mm-hmm. But I yeah, like I'm ultimately still trying to find something that's more of a casual game for me because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I fire up CS and I want to be the best player that I can be at CS. Like I want to try to be the best in the world, even though I know it's not realistic. Right. I play Halo. It's the same thing. I play Apex. I want to win every game. Like, there's still a lot of games like that. Age of Empires is the same. Like I still want to be the best that I can be. And I'm finding a super, like I'm, I'm having a super hard time finding a game to just kind of casually enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like eagerly awaiting, um, which Phasmophobia was that for me for a while, but I'm eagerly awaiting like the Diablo two remake and stuff like that, because those are games that I can genuinely just kind of hang out have a good time and like i'm still gonna take it serious as far as like grinding for gear but at least i'm not like competing against other people constantly and like that kind of can suck the fun out of it for me Mm -hmm. no it definitely and and kind of that's how i was like i was saying like a couple weeks ago and now i've kind of found you know a rhythm with a few things i've been playing but um yeah i mean it's it's finding that like for me on my end i guess i'll I'll just kind of go into mine because it it kind of it it ties in with that. Like for right now, like I've been the past week really like hooked into dark souls, like finally having like a souls game click for me. And it kind of did earlier. Um, like Sekiro clicked for me for what I played of it. Um, what was the other one? Uh, Bloodborne a little bit, but I haven't really committed to it. I've always had a problem with committing to souls like games. And for me, it was it was just taking that jump, committing it, learning and actually investing time into learning how the game plays, um, you know, because it, it's true what people say, these games that, you know, it's not that they're sure they're I guess you could say difficult, but they're not difficult in the sense of like. Sure, some things can be cheap, like there's times like for people who are, you know, souls veterans, I'm sure, you know, like Sif, the huge giant wolf that you fight like he was giving me trouble for, like, two nights. Like, for some reason, I just couldn't fucking beat him. Quaylog, like, I beat the first fucking time with ease. But Quayhog? Yeah, Quayhog. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, her, totally easy. Took her down one try, nothing to it. Um, but then there's, you know, uh, battles like, or uh, bosses like Sif that, like, aren't directly tied, from my understanding, to the main, like, main, he's kind of like a side boss in a way or at least from my understanding. Now that may change because I'm only like halfway through the game, but like, you know, it's bosses like that, that like I wasn't necessarily like planning to play, but now I am and, but are giving me the most trouble. But like, I digress. It's, it's the fact that like that was, has turned into my like, like 
hardcore game in terms of like I'm sitting there, I'm looking up builds, I'm looking up strategies, things like that. I'm actually putting in the time to learn this, you know, the past like week, you know, 20 plus 30 hours in, you know, looking at finding ways to get better at that game um, by learning and actually sitting down committing to what the game actually is. Um, and like, it, it's nice to have those games that are the, you know, hey, I can kind of turn my brain off. Like, even for us, it can kind of get high stakes, but like playing zombies, it's great to just turn my brain off. And like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's shooting zombies. Yeah, it's, you know, there's some coordination that comes into it, you know, whenever we're talking a group of three, you, Adam, myself, like, that's a little different. But, um, you know, just in general, though, it's easy to just go in, turn my brain off and enjoy that game. Same with like my fiance and I, we're playing through Resident Evil 7 because I've uh, for some reason in the multiple playthroughs I've done of that game, she's never seen the whole thing. So she's like, I want to play through that before we play resident evil eight later this year. Cool. Definitely. So jump in, play that. It's another one that it's just easy to turn off my brain and play that. Like, sure. There's some strats that go into certain bosses and whatnot, but the game resident evil games are very straightforward for the most part in terms of how you assess things. It's, you know, uh, you know, ammo management, resource management, making sure you have, certain inventory space because you're going to pick up certain things along the way and as you play these games you get routes down to learn how to do that but once again it's a game that you kind of turn your brain off where like i need that like i need that digestive state between like sessions with dark souls remastered that mm -hmm. is that it's like i need that like it's it soulsborne games get so intense and get so deep within the minutia of themselves that it's like I need to walk away for a while where it's like one of the biggest gripes I have with Soulsborne games. And I promise I went in the show after this, but like one of the biggest gripes I have with not only really Soulsborne games, but games in general that turn me away so fast is the idea of like, Oh, like, yeah, when you get to this certain point of this game, like, yeah, you're just going to have to farm. You're just going to have to grind. You're just going to have to get to that point. And I'm like, as a 20 year old man now at this point who has like a full-time job, like, yeah, like, I I'm lucky my fiance is into video games too and stuff like that. That like we can play video games together. We do stuff like that where, you know, I could use my free time to do that. But then again, my free time is limited still. Like all being a normal human being, your free time is going to be very limited where it's like, yeah, I, I, I that just ruins the whole aspect of the game for me that, you know, there's a pacing to these games that, you know, sure, if I want to just become OP, yeah, I could, there's certain areas I've learned where I need to farm, where, you know, right at the beginning, there's, you're, there's a certain area that you can get 550 souls each time and just run it, and you can do it for an hour, and you'll get, like, you know, 700,000 souls or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, that's cool, but, like, that's an hour of my time that it's, like, I'm not doing anything, and that's not productive, right. that's not, and by productive, I mean, like, it's, it's, it may be you know, buffing my stats up, but it's like, it's just not like, it's not enjoyable. Like, and that's what turns me off. Like, I love the newest iteration of Assassin's Creed games. Like I really do. I really love the RPG, you know, route that they're taking with these games, but nothing annoys me more than, Oh, you got to stop and like, you know, Oh, you're like four or five levels off. They're instantly going to kill you. Any enemies in this area are instantly going to kill you. So you got to grind, you got to do whatever you got to do story missions and or side missions. And, you know, luckily, the past couple of entries, their side missions have been overall pretty good um, that make me want to go and actually complete side quests and learn about this world that I'm in and whatnot. But like, then again, that's like, 
as a player with these games, specifically RPG-esque games, like where you're, you shouldn't be forced to explore the world or forced to do one thing. It should be natural. You should want to go and do these things where it's like, you shouldn't put up these invisible barriers where there probably doesn't need to be one. You should encourage people to, to create those barriers for themselves to go and do that where it's not like, oh yeah, I'm just going to keep running into a brick wall for, you know, four hours, not getting past this one boss. It's like, just because I'm like, oh, I'm going the, you know, even if I'm going the critical path, it's like, I should be able to go the critical path. You should be able to play these games the way that you want to. And it just, it, it boggles my mind that it's like, okay, yeah, we love these games, but you got a farm, but you put up with them and yada, yada. It's like, no, the whole premise of the game, it's like, it, you know, people say, oh, Cuphead's so hard. And I agree, Cuphead is a difficult game, but it's not cheap. It's not, it's well-made, it's well-crafted. And it's because you have to, it's like Souls, where you have to learn the actual, you know, minutia of the game and patterns that bosses have and whatnot. It's all achievable. And it's kind of like the, like you kind of talk about, Mike, with, you know, Ninja Gaiden, where it's like, you know exactly, the game will show you what exactly you did wrong. You have to adjust yourself. Like, mm -hmm. you will know what you did to screw up and, you know, not defeat that boss the way you wanted to or fail to that boss. Like, you're going to learn that. It, that's not difficult. It's all It puts pressure on you as a player to learn to adapt to that. And it's not that difficult after that. It's, it's actually paying attention to what you're doing in a game and not necessarily turn your mind off or whatever. It, it requires your attention. And that's, that is good. That is a good required thing. It's not when it's like, hey, cool, you got to this point. Yeah, we don't want you to go there yet. We want you to go and, you know, you have to do this because we want you spending more time in our world doing this. It's like, no, you should want me to spend more time in this world because it's enjoyable and I'm enjoying what I'm doing, not putting up these invisible walls that, hey, cool, yeah, you're not going to be able to get past that until you go and have, you know, level 50 and you're level 45 and it takes like an hour to just get up a level at this point it's like but i am really really enjoying dark souls remastered i'm looking forward to throwing a ton of time into it it'd be my first souls game that i do beat um and then after i'm you know obviously this uh xbox podcast but i'm thinking of doing either bloodborne or um demon souls which bloodborne may be next because that's a little bit faster paced um from my understanding uh which i did like about sekiro but um eventually i'll get back to them or i'll get to one of them but gotta put on dark souls is kind of my main game right now so i'm hoping to hey maybe next week i come saying hey cool i finished it but then again i also am having these it, this itch to go back and finish i never finished the two uh half-life episodes that are out there because i want to play eventually one of my things this year is i would like to find a way to play half-life alex so I'd like to finish those two. I've finished one and two, like Half-Life 1 and 2, but I never finished the uh, actual episodes of them. So I'd like to go back and do that because I want to play Half-Life, but I digress. Hopefully I'm talking about Dark Souls again next week with how I beat it, but who the fuck knows? <laughs> Mike, let's end the button match for this week since we got a jam-packed episode. Uh, if you're new to the show, button match will run through our quick hit stuff before we get into our big topics for the week, starting with Activision. Mike, I know this is going to take you by surprise, so I'd, I'd maybe sit down if, you know, you're not prepared or whatever, but this may come as news to you. Activision has confirmed that there is a new Call of Duty game coming later this year. <laughs> I know, I know everyone, pull the car over. You, we're talking, you know, I would usually say my dad because my dad is a truck driver, uh, but he is, uh, he just had major shoulder surgery early, uh, late last year. So he is not working right now, but if you're a truck driver out there, 
Big Ten Four, buddy, pull her on over. You know, we'll honk the horn or whatnot. You may need to pull over and cope with what I'm telling you. Activision has confirmed there's a new Call of Duty game coming later this year. Uh, the news was revealed during Activision Blizzard's Q4 2020's earnings call, which was transcribed by The Motley Fool, in which Activision CFO Dennis Durkin talked through the company's plans for Call of Duty, which includes a, quote, strong premium release plan for quarter four in 2021. Given that Durkin also mentions uh, migrating the existing COD community to that game, there seems no doubt that there is another full annual release for the series coming. Six Days in Fallujah, a military FPS game based on a real Iraq war battle, has been resurrected by a new developer and publisher after being canceled by its original publisher, Konami, over a decade ago. Set for release on PC and console later this year, uh, later this year, yeah. The new version of Six Days in Fallujah is developed by Highwire Games, a studio founded by Halo's lead designer and published by Vec er, Victoria. A tactical shooter, the game is based on events that took place in 2004 during the second battle for Fallujah in Iraq. For the first time since 2019, Telltale Games' Tales from the Borderlands series is coming back to stores on February 17th. Borderlands series developer Gearbox announced the uh, news this Wednesday on the official Borderlands Twitter account. Gearbox did not, did not confirm which digital storefront's Tales would be returning to, but the game previously released on Steam. Borderlands 3 also ended up on both Steam and the Epic Games Store. Gearbox also hasn't provided any pricing information yet. Speaking of that, games coming uh, to newer platforms, Crash Bandicoot 4 It's About Time is making its way to the Xbox Series X and S and PC later this year, following its debut in 2020 on Xbox One. Activision and developer Toys for Bob have announced that Crash 4 will be released for PS5 as well, but both Xbox Series platforms, Nintendo Switch and PC, starting on March 12th. And PC will also be through Battle.net uh, sometime later this year. Uh, the Series X version will run natively at 4K 60 frames per second, while the Series S version will run at 60 frames per second with an upscaled 4K. These next-gen versions will also include faster load times and 3D audio, and players uh, who have already purchased It's About Time on PS4 or Xbox One can upgrade to the retrospective or to their respective. I can talk today. Next-gen version at no cost, except for in Japan and the transfer over save data. 2020 was yet another record-setting year for Grand Theft Auto. Shocker. Grand Theft Auto, the game that fucking keeps coming, and GTA Online, according to publisher Take-Two Interactive's quarterly financial results. In an earnings briefing, Take-Two revealed that GTA has now sold over 140 million units to date. That's about 10 million units sold since May of last year. 140 million units. This game came out in 2013. It's still in like top 10 sellings monthly on like the Xbox store, PSN, Steam. What the fuck? <laughs> that's about 10, like I said, that's about 10 million units more than May of last year. Additionally, more units of GTA 5 were sold in calendar 2020 or 2020 than in any other year except for the game's launch in 2013 when it sold 32.5 million copies. What the actual fuck? <laughs> the fate of Anthem. This is, I'll, I'll be quite honest, this is kind of fucked up. Uh, whenever Jason Schreier reported about this earlier this, uh, earlier this week, but the fate of Anthem supposedly hangs in the balance depending on how an interview review or internal review of the reboot goes. That's according to a new report, which says that there is a chance EA expands the Anthem next team 
or shelves the game altogether. In a new report from Bloomberg, EA executives will review the latest version of Anthem next later this week. Depending on how the project is progressing, EA will continue to back or, or back and grow the Anthem Next team or, quote, abandon the project. Anthem Next was set to be a redo of sorts for Anthem, Bioware's live service action RPG, which, Chris, uh, which quickly lost traction with players. Bioware handed Anthem to Bioware Austin, with specific, er, which specifically works on live projects like Star Wars The Old Republic. So, fingers crossed for the team down in Bioware Austin that hopefully everything goes well. Even if Anthem wasn't my thing, I never want to see people lose out on potential income or a project like this. Um, Bioware's had a rough go. I know we've been very critical of Bioware, but I want nothing more than a great Bioware RPG to come out. So, nothing but the best for them. Actress Jamie Lee Curtis is joining the cast of the upcoming Borderlands film, Lionsgate announced Monday. Curtis will play Tannis, a scientist archaeologist who possibly holds the literal keys to the fabled vault, but her past with the, sire, with the sirens Lilith may complicate things along the way. Tannis has appeared in every main Borderlands game, but returned most recently as a side character in Borderlands 3 that assists the protagonist. 343 Industries has uh, teased that there might just be, or there just might be a quote new place to, and way to play Halo the Master Chief Collection in the near future. 343 revealed the news in its latest MCC weekly flighting and development update and said that while quote things can change, it is trying to offer fans of this Halo collection a new way to play. While many would love to see Halo the Master Chief Collection come to Switch or PS5, this is most likely a hint that we may see it arrive on the Epic Game Store or possibly Xbox's cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate on iOS and PC. Ubisoft has once again announced that Prince of Persia The Sands of Time has been delayed, this time without a clear new clear release date, the remake of the Sands of Time game. Uh, the developers of the remakes released a statement on Twitter explaining that, quote, we have made the decision to shift the release of Prince of Persia The Sands of Time remake to a later date. This extra development time will enable our teams to deliver a remake that feels fresh while remaining faithful to the original. And finally, unfortunately, sad news coming out of Zenimax Media, the parent company of developers like Bethesda and id Software, they announced that its founder and CEO Robert A. Altman has passed away way. Altman was 73. News of Altman's death was published on the official Bethesda Twitter account. Quote, we are deeply saddened to tell you the passing of Robert A. Altman, our founder and CEO. He was a true visionary, friend, and believer in the spirit of people and the power of what they can do or what they can accomplish together. He was an extraordinary leader and even and even a better human being. The statement also added that Altman sent out weekly emails to employees during the pandemic and shared one such letter to the public. In it, Altman tells employees to find time for themselves during the pandemic and social distancing. Quote, We know many are feeling the pressure of isolation and the stress related to our current circumstances, Altman wrote. Again, I urge you to make time for yourselves daily, schedule online social gatherings, and keep your perspective knowing this will pass. So, Mike, with all that said, anything you want to run back in butt match before we head into our big topics for this week? Obviously, uh, Robert A. Altman passing away um, is a huge deal, especially for Xbox with Zenimax and, and Bethesda and everything. And obviously we hope that his family mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> finds solace in this time of, of, you know, difficulty, not only with the pandemic, because I know that's a challenge for pretty much everyone at this point in time, but also, you know, I hope that they're able to come to terms with losing a loved one. Um, but, but switching gears, um, I think three, four, three, teasing a new place to play halo is 
would be a net win for most of everyone because it's going to give you it's basically with this game any amount of exposure uh is going to be beneficial um mm-hmm. getting this game into different av- different um realms or genre or not even uh genres but just different avenues of of gaming is going to be severely beneficial for for basically i mean the entire game uh just getting more people getting their hands on it experiencing halo falling in love with it mm-hmm. is going to be a huge benefit um i like to see you know this this happening um because if you're going to allow if you're going to put infinite as free to play it's a good way to potentially gain steam for your game going forward getting letting people play the classics mm-hmm. um also you know i'd also like to talk about um crash bandicoot 4 um coming out to coming forward to the next generations this is another um you know benefit or positive moving forward where you're going to see more games coming out going forward to newer generations saving gamers money all of that is a net positive in my opinion as far as giving people you know letting people save money and things of that nature mm-hmm. um and then finally talking about um you know telltale re-releasing borderlands is seems kind of like a a weird it almost seems kind of like a a strange occurrence that this game's coming back out onto um the marketplace but in all reality um them coming out re-releasing this game get on the marketplace which would seem like it would have something to do with renewing licenses um that's probably a net win for the team um because you know they're always you know that was one of the big things with uh like telltale games losing out on mm-hmm. basically their entire business by going bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. You know, they lost <laughs> they lost this. They were gonna lose um Walking Dead. Uh mm-hmm. all that stuff. Obviously it's I'm glad to see that they are able to um get Gearbox to work with them and re-release this game because you've played it. I haven't. I'm a huge fan of Telltale games overall. Mm-hmm. You say that the Borderlands game is is good and that you enjoy it and i believe you i trust you mm-hmm. and i trust your opinion so i'm glad to see that they are um you know getting that game back into back into the swing of things because in all reality um you know you just kind of with telltale i'm selfish because i really want there to be a new wolf among us and i want it to be good mm-hmm. but at the same time i also have to remember that i'm trying i don't want to it's like the discussion we had last week with D2. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not going to make a good game, I don't really, I don't want you to even waste my time with it type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. So. Well, at least with Telltale now, it, it, it's out with the old in with the new. I mean, they have new ownership. They have new executive leadership who's seeing, you know, overseeing their assets right now, the development and whatnot. Um, your hope in any situation like that is, and I can't remember whenever the whole situation of that like the whole telltale situation the imploding and then resurrection of really the brand of somebody else outside coming in buying the name brand of telltale and you know taking over 
um, and buying some of those assets as well that they had. They, um, you know, I can't remember exactly how much experience the new ownership has with game development, but my biggest thing is whenever it comes to people investing in gaming, and we're seeing it, I mean, most recently held this week with, uh, and I didn't really put it on the docket just because it doesn't necessarily completely pertain to Xbox or PC. You know, Stadia is kind of their own thing, but, you know, you look at uh, Google shutting down their own internal studio that they're developing games for, for Stadia. And they're saying, hey, Stadia is working out great, and we're seeing that right now when it comes to games like Cyberpunk 2077, you know, third-party games that require these high-end rigs and whatnot. You know, we offer the ability for people to play them if they have a, you know, reliable internet connection. We can offer them the chance to play those games at a really high fidelity for a fraction of the cost, and it's working out great right now. Um, but they realized, they also realized, hey, we're focusing on that. That's where the money's at, so we're getting the fuck out. So in a year and a half later, after you know announcing the start of their, you know, them developing games for Stadia and whatnot, they're already out. And it's because they wanted, they looked at putting, I can't remember exactly what the quote was. I believe Jason Schreier had done the reporting on it, but that they wanted every game that they make to be of triple A, you know, triple A, quad A caliber and needs to be a blockbuster franchise. It needs to be this and that. And they are starting to realize, and it's almost like you were seeing with, you know, the lead up to Halo 5 and really, you know, the era of 2015 to 2014, 2015 to, you know, up until semi-recently, you know, and knock on wood, we're seeing a change in that with Microsoft and specifically with 343 and Halo that you can't just toss money at it and, you know, have people who necessarily who don't necessarily have the biggest, you know, experience and backlog of knowledge in gaming and game development, more importantly, to make these executive level decisions for these games that it doesn't, you know, and we kind of saw that with Telltale that it's like they were just straight up managed poorly. And that's mm-hmm. when it starts, it starts with the foundation of that. And if you can't, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have the proper framework to make this stuff successful, you know, I, I don't want to say gamers, but like those who are invested in this medium are very keen. I mean, we're getting to the point now where it's like, you know, fans of this medium, people invest in gaming look at a lot of their developers like their favorite sports teams. Like it's mm-hmm. getting to that point now that it's like, you know, you support them, you know, the people behind them, you know, and I know this is a, you know, Xbox podcast centric Xbox centric podcast, but like, you know, God of war was one of my favorite games of this past generation. And I am a huge fan of Corey Barlog, their creative director and how he, his outlook and vision on gaming and his creative, you know, drive and his visionary, you know, his vision on what game development and creative, you know, medium should be, um, you know, and I, I'm a fan of them. I follow them. I follow him. I, I, you know, talk to him a few times to things like that. So it's like, you know, you're it's starting to become like that. People will call out bullshit and they'll be like, no, that's not how this works. No, that's not how it's done. No, we're not going to fund that. We're not going to buy into that. And that's what Telltale had, that it was like, they're, 
their management was so poorly ran financially, let alone, you know, what they were doing with their dev staff, that it was literally a fly-by-night type of thing that, boom, they just fucking went up in flames one day. Like, that it's stuff like that that you have to have the right people in there. And my hope is getting this, circling this all back around before we head into our, you know, big topics, but, like, circling this whole, that whole tangent back around, I hope that that's what's there with this iteration of Telltale Games. I I would hope that's why you would see they brought I know they brought a lot of staff back who was like who were let go, you know, who suffered at the poor management decisions that were made. And I highly recommend, uh, you know, if anybody hasn't seen it, which a lot of people, you know, I feel in our community probably have, but no clips uh, documentary on the whole Telltale situation where they're talking to a lot of the developers and marketing staff and whatnot, everyone, a lot of people who were associated with Telltale Games during that whole situation and leading up to it, you know, listen to that, talk to that. You'll see their outlook. They they are, you know, in kind of, we're going to talk end up talking about it a little bit in one of our big topics, but like we tend to forget that people make games. You know, games aren't made by AI. Games aren't made mm-hmm. by robots. I mean, not yet, but people make these games that it's like, you can only hope that the people who are in charge of those people let them have that creative freedom, let them do that and let them, you know, hone their talents and skills and, you know, are given the freedom to make something special. And they have the right people in mind to, if they don't know what the fuck they're doing, don't be hands off. Like it work. If I don't know something about something, I let the people who do know something about it, make the decision on that. Or I rely on them for information. Like, you know, just cause you have the biggest stick in the room doesn't mean you know how to swing it. Like, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to hit a grand slam every time. So like be willing to, you know, be willing to sit there and take that first, you know, that first pitch strike, like it's okay. So anyways, I totally agree with you, Mike. I, 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 I feel confident that a new wolf among us will be good. A new Telltale will be good. Um, you know, it's good to see at least, you know, border or uh, gearbox, obviously having the rights to Borderlands being their own IP, you know, them in-house, it seems like they're in-house publishing it, which is great. Um, they can at least get it out there and enjoy that. But I'm sure Telltale gets a kick of it. But I digress. Let's kick into our big topics for this week, Mike, because I don't want to run too long in the tooth. I know how valuable everyone's time is. <laughs> <laughs> but, Mike, it seems like it's like every other week, something with Halo Infinite. You know, it, it really, it is. But our first big topic, man, new Halo project quote-unquote project in development according to an xbox job ad this comes from hiron crier over on games radar as always link in the description go over there give them a click you know and make sure you check out the article that they are reading because i know i'd like to pull a lot from some of the articles we have um but i want to make sure that everybody gets clicks and whatnot but i digress let's jump into it There appears to be a new Halo project in development at Xbox. Over the weekend, Microsoft listed a new producer role in Redmond, Washington at 343 Industries through their website, developer of the Halo franchise after Halo 3. Quote, 343 Industries is looking for a producer to help develop a new project in the Halo universe. The official job listing description reads, hinting at a newcomer working on on a new brand, unannounced, er, hinting, at a newcomer working on a new, brand new, unannounced Halo project, if I could spit it out, being in development at the studio. 
Due to the wording of the job description, it's incredibly unlikely that the new producer would be hired to work on Halo Infinite, which is nearing the final stretches of development and aiming to release later this year after the Halo Infinite delay last year. It's also extremely unlikely that a brand new producer would be introduced to Halo Infinite so late in development. Just last week, we heard how all or heard how all launch sandbox related content in Halo Infinite is in the base game and being play tested daily by the development team. This is just the first in a series of planned updates from 343 surrounding the upcoming game, with the developer planning to be more communicative over the coming year by releasing news about the game every month. This would certainly go a long way to allevi- alleviating fans' worries after a long period of radio silence from the developer late last year. So. Obviously, there isn't much to go off of from the job listing alone, which is normally the case when it comes to, like, these discoveries that, you know, articles are pulled from and, you know, that can get clicks and whatnot. There's usually not a bunch of substance to go off of with this. But it's nice to see, you know, this additional project at 343 that I've talked about, we've brought up saying, hey, this is this is a thing, you know, it's been floating around for a while, you know. It's nice to see that's, you know, starting to come up and get people excited. It's not I told you so type of thing, but like, I'm I'm happy to see that people are now starting to, you know, get breadcrumbs towards this project. Um, But a lot of people, you know, jump directly to a new Halo Wars. And that's, you know, completely, I would think, understandable given, you know, the studio size now. They're at, I think it was like... 600 plus something like that it was crazy i mean granted it's microsoft they have scrooge mcduck money like we always say but you know and really too if i remember correctly i think it was like november that there were rumors surrounding hey there's a new you know halo wars being in development um you know that kind of puts kind of fuel to all this so it's starting to line up a little bit but a new rts from a studio that is traditionally centered around fps you know games and having development skill in that specific area I'm not saying it's transferable but specifically be developing you know an fps game would be quite a change even though 343 did assist with creative assemblies development on halo wars 2 they just weren't the lead developer on it um but they did you know add to that but mike with halo infinite really from what we're supposedly supposedly hearing set to have this 10-year plan kind of similar to destiny when it was first announced like hey we have we have this mindset for this game 10 years down the road mapped out of what we want to do, how we want this game to evolve, yada, yada. What do you want out of other pockets of this franchise, other sects of this franchise, including this new project? You know, does a new Halo Wars sound appetizing in the current landscape of Microsoft, especially with, you know, their Game Pass model of having this Netflix style, you know, smorgasbord of you being able to pop in. It doesn't have to necessarily be, these quad a games 24 7 but having this space that you can release these games and still get active player bases because of the low you know bar to entry you know so what do you think about that what do you think you know what do you want out of this franchise in other sex than just halo infinite um i think a halo wars that is a game that you play more so on um like pc because they're doing a lot of pc uh pc games right now i think that that is something that would be severely appetizing personally um because you're looking at a game that you could basically actually enjoy micromanaging because i know on xbox 
with Halo Wars, it was a game that was almost borderline annoying to play because of the fact that you're kind of held hostage to a controller versus actually getting to utilize all of the controls that a keyboard and mouse has. Mm-hmm. And I know some people are going to think like, oh, wow, like Halo Wars was pretty good for a console or RTS. And that's true. Like by all means, like I have a lot of fond memories with it. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to say that the game was bad, but could you imagine like a Halo Wars RTS that you actually get to use mouse and keyboard on Yeah, because of the model of uh, Microsoft's focus kind of going to PC gaming too? Mm-hmm. Like, Which is nice, and and to be honest, you know, obviously, Halo Wars Definitive Edition and Halo Wars 2 are both available on PC, but narrowly did not have the gain the traction either of those releases did as the original one did, coming a year after, I believe it was a year after, no, yeah, yeah, it was, I think it was no more than two years after uh, Halo 3 released, I believe, but on console, like, it had, the console version of Halo Wars had that traction that the PC releases of Halo Wars 2 and Halo Wars Definitive Edition, not to mention the, the you know, Xbox uh, version of the console version of Halo Wars 2. Like, none of those had the traction that that first one did. Right. And to me, like, you can play Age of Empires 2 on Game Pass, like, mm. which is really cool. But playing on a controller, I feel like you're going to be severely, like, you're going to be at a handicap compared to someone with a keyboard and mouse. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be really cool to be able to play a game that's, you know, hopefully um, optimized for PC gaming because now, you know, you can hook a mouse and keyboard into your Xbox one Mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to do that in your series X and play with a mouse and keyboard. So hopefully a new halo Wars game with a lot more micromanaging, a lot more macro because before like the mass amount of units you were allowed on, on the field at one time was like 30 that's not a whole lot of units on the field. I mean, that's hardware, um, hardware issues preventing you from putting more on there because I know like obviously the Xbox 360 hardware might not be, wasn't the best. So that might, might've been all it could handle. That's all your microing could handle. So I think like that alone is a very appealing thing to me because you see Starcraft still very successful by all intents and purposes with Starcraft two with esports. With StarCraft, even Brood War still very popular in Korea. A lot of people still play it on mm-hmm. stateside also. You see Age of Empires 2 having a hey, resurgence. Adam, Adam Marsh was playing StarCraft 2 yesterday. Yeah. So, I mean, you have a lot of people still enjoying the RTS genre. And that's one that was always somewhat successful for the Halo franchise, going to a, a little bit of a different flavor there. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'd be extremely curious to see, like, exactly how, how it worked out if you know, people, if it was actually optimized for PC and people could play it on there, because I, I don't know that it would necessarily be like a, a huge esports scene or anything, but if fucking Age of Empires 2 is still popular esports wise with balance and everything, like mm-hmm. it's 20 years old, man. Like it's actually growing in popularity again. Like I don't see why Halo Wars couldn't be something that would be a lot more popular if it got the chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I totally agree that, you know, there's no reason that you know, an RTS based in Halo can't be, you know, obviously successful. Look, like, if you ask me, like, when I think of, like, you know, we've talked about it before on the show, like, you know, Resident Evil, franchise we love. We talk about, oh, can the bandwidth of this franchise support multiple different, you know, avenues and styles of this game where 
you know, that's more of a question to me in terms of like the actual minutia of the game, because it's still all of those are still resident evil. Like you're doing the same thing, just different. You know, hey, we're talking third person behind the shoulder camera, like an RE2 remake and three remake. Um, you know, are we talking the original Resident Evil style fixed camera in the corner, uh, first person with RE7 and now 8? You know, those are all still, though, the same style of game, a survival horror game. It's just different avenues to get there. And that's, I think, more of a question of, OK, can that work? Because you're trying different you're coming at coming at the same result in different ways. But are all those, you know, are all those paths the best possible way to get there? Where when we look at something like this, it'd be more, okay, to me, I view anything that's come out with like Halo in terms of, you know, different avenues and whatnot, different genres, it all is used to really, I think, get people interested in the main product. Where if you're looking at, it almost reminds me of, and obviously in a much better way than the example I'm going to give, but when Assassin's Creed or when uh, the Assassin's Creed movie came out and Ubisoft wanted to do that, they just straight up said, we don't care how much money it makes. It's a marketing tool for us. We want more people who are interested in the, uh, you know, who aren't new to, or who are new, I should say, to Assassin's Creed or don't really know anything about Assassin's Creed, but go to see this movie, you know, because they like to go see movies or whatever and see that or see a, you know, a TV spot of it or something like that and be like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. And then look it up and be like, oh, it's based on a game. Oh, let me see. Oh, that was cool. You know, and even though the movie sucked and it didn't do good, it's still like the numbers behind it in terms of like the impressions and getting word out about that series and getting more people into it were great. It was positive because it just got more people to have the name Assassin's Creed in their wheelhouse and in the zeitgeist again. And that's where I see xbox and microsoft in general kind of having like now that they have some of these brands and while they still need to build them up still and whatnot but we're seeing gears come out and have gears tactics and sure gears tactics reviewed very well and a game that to be honest i want to get into and try um and really didn't haven't had the chance i actually might install that after we're done but you know having that avenue that's not their main asset their main asset is gears 5 and the amount of, you know, emphasis they're putting on that and the amount of support they're putting behind that game and having a pro league and doing all this stuff like that is their main. That's that's the the prized hen there, if you want to call it. That's that's what you want, where, you know, everything else is just fodder to get people into this. And like I said, Gears Tactics is great, but there's also like Gears Pop, you know, and that's, you know, people like. The people who like mobile games. Oh, cool. I've heard of Gears. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. I'm learning some of these, you know, characters or whatnot. You know, cool. It gets them into, well, I could get Game Pass and I could try this, yada, yada. Like, this to me seems like the perfect fit for Game Pass. Like, to see something like a Halo Wars or even just an ODST-style game that is separate from, you know, Halo Infinite. And I'm not talking, I should say, I should say Firefight-style game where Mm -hmm. it's not, you know... You're not necessarily like, which I could see the more, more realistic. It'd probably be, you know, a part of Halo Infinite proper, but you know, something like that, that is much more, Hey, I have game pass. People have game pass. Cool. 
just it's something to add into there and keep Halo on the brain. Like, okay, in between, you know, it releases in between Halo Infinite's next major, you know, expansion or content update or what have you that cool, we released a new Halo project. If you want to buy it, cool, it's on Gay Pass if not. But it's more so, hey, if you do this, you're going to get skins for Halo Infinite. You're going to do this and that. And I know some people will think, oh, that's kind of sucks. That kind of is, you know, I don't want to say shitty, but like it's not it's not going to be given the justification. No, Microsoft has money. And like we said, sometimes money doesn't solve everything, but at least, you know, they're going to provide the opportunity for this game to be good. And it seems like Microsoft is willing now that they've kind of shifted some assets around within the development team on Halo and just in 343 in general. Um, I, I feel much more confident about the future of Halo in general than I did a year ago. Now that we've seen the delay, now that we've seen the restructuring, them be much more transparent, vocal. I feel very confident about that. Do I think it's Halo Wars that we see? I think that's the safest bet. But at mm -hmm. the same time, if something else came out, I wouldn't be shocked. Like if it's just, even if it is like, I don't want to say like a Telltale style game or something like that. Like none of that would shock me. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the size of Halo Infinite. I think it's just mostly, hey, we're focusing on this. It's in the Halo universe. We're doing this. I don't think it's outside of the Halo universe or anything like that. Unless it's like, hey, this is a side story type of thing that we're working on that's within the universe, but has nothing to do with, you know, Master Chief or anything like that. Um, like so many people have been wanting with, you know, Star Wars to come out now that the Skywalker uh, Skywalker saga is all wrapped up and whatnot now that they can move away from that and they can fucking do something in the, you know, billions of other stories that they could tell that doesn't have to worry about Luke Skywalker. Like something like that where it's in the same universe, but it's, you know, type of thing. I don't know. Something like that. But I feel confident with where this could potentially go. And I always want a new RTS to try out. Like it seems like RTSs are, is that genre that I'm always like, Man, I want to like invest time into it's just finding the right one to do so. And I love StarCraft. I love Warcraft. I love Halo. I liked Halo Wars back in the day. I'd like to actually play Halo Wars too. Um, but I really enjoyed the original one on Xbox 360. Like, really had a good time. But then again, I'm like you. If I'm playing an RTS, I want to fucking play it on my PC. So, like, you know, something like that. Now that Game Pass is here, now that I have a, you know, pretty good PC. I'd like to do something like that. So where I'm playing a lot of, you know, competitive games like that, that I would want to do it on there specifically just for the management style that an RP RTS demands that, you know, with the amount of, you know, macros that you're going to have and whatnot, that's just not very good <laughs> on a controller. So um, I'm with you on that, but. It's almost borderline impossible, to be right. honest. Oh, like, I mean, even thinking of, like, Civ and stuff back in the day on 360 playing, uh, what was it, Civ Revolution? Yeah. Yeah, like, playing that, even that was kind of cumbersome. It's like, you know, it, good game, but it's, like, just stuff like that that it's, like, I couldn't imagine, like, me sitting, I don't know how me at, like, you know, 14, 15 years old sat down, let alone me at 28 being, like, uh, no, I I have the money. I'm going to just buy it on my PC or like get a PC play on that if I really want to. Like, you know, I, I I couldn't imagine doing something like that. Like even even too like I was skeptical when like Diablo was coming back out onto consoles with Diablo three. I'm like, even then, like granted, a much easier I think to accomplish than that. But like knowing how cumbersome like 
remembering like grant i didn't play it but watch somebody play starcraft on n64 back in the day and like seeing how diablo was on like ps1 back in the day remembering like my cousin having it on he had it on on pc but he also had it on his ps1 and like playing it on his ps1 and how just fucking bad that was trying to play it i'm like i just couldn't remember because i couldn't like imagine trying to play those games let alone something like you know a modern rts in 2021 like no (laughs) i couldn't imagine that so who knows maybe it'll be maybe who knows maybe it'll be a pc only release type of thing um if that is the case obviously we don't fucking know if it's halo wars or not but that seems just like the safest bet at this point but who knows we'll get to see leading up to it eventually knock on wood but mike send to our next news article for this week and this one's kind of salt in the wound type of thing um and, and, you know, we're going to get into it. Like I said, this is where it's kind of talking about before, you know, people make games. It's not one person. It's not this and that, you know, but this just sucks. Stolen CD Projekt Red Files reportedly now sold after dark web option. This comes from Joe Scrabbles over on IGN is always linked in the description. Files stolen from CD Projekt Red in a ransomware attack revealed earlier this week have reportedly now been sold in a dark web auction. Dark web monitoring organization KELA, which previously provided The Verge with what it believes to be a legitimate file list for CD Projekt Red's engine, reports that an auction set up to sell the files has now been closed after a, quote, satisfying offer was made from outside of the form it was being held on. That offer reportedly stipulates that the code will not be distri- dis- not be distributed, if I can spit it out, or sold further. Cybersecurity account VX Underground also reported that it had heard the sale was completed. Speaking to IGN, Victoria Kivelchik, Kivelchik, I'm going to go with that, Kivelchik, Victoria Kivelchik, a threat intelligence analyst at KELA explained that it appears all of the files stolen or appears that all of the files stolen which apparently include the source code for Cyberpunk 2077 multiple versions of The Witcher 3 and Gwent were sold in a single package it's unclear who the buyer is or what they intend to do with the files at the time of writing it's also unclear what price the files were sold for but reports yesterday indicate an upfront purchase of price of 7 million dollars Kavelchik uh, provided IGN with a translated screenshot from the forum dated February 10th, in which the seller said CD Projekt should pay the Blitz or play, pay the Blitz upfront purchase free because of sensitive data contained in the files. Of course, right now we can't verify whether that is true. So, listen, like I said earlier, whether you dig a game or not that someone makes or some you know a team makes or studio, you know, lead, executive, however you want to, you know, whatever title you want to give, you know, makes an ass out of themselves, like CD Projekt Red has, you know, the past couple months, you know, that doesn't necessarily justify something like this. Like, people, like I say, tend to forget that people make games, not just AI and robots and this and that. Like, it is actual hardworking human beings who are passionate about this creative outlet in moving this industry forward and creating these groundbreaking experiences, they're the ones who make these games. You know, the actions of 1% shouldn't necessarily speak for the other 99. But then again, this is another bruise for CD Projekt Red and what feels like their fall from grace. So with that said, Mike, why the hell would somebody buy the source code to games that, you know, 
one are pretty modder friendly to begin with. We're talking The Witcher 3, which you can easily go in Nexus mods and get mods for Cyberpunk 2077, which people are like fixing this game <laughs> from a mod standpoint. Um, you know, all these games are available in Nexus mods, you know, to be they're They're very you know, user-friendly and allow for that for the most part. And, you know, kind of like Bethesda games in general, you know, why would somebody spend a whopping $7 million if they're not going to go and, you know, sell it or, you know, distribute it or anything like that outside of like cheating in Gwent or something like that? Like, why would somebody be, what would drive somebody to spend that much money on source codes for games that are pretty user-friendly to be able to access and change and whatnot? Yeah, I I don't really know. When I saw this story first come out, I was kind of I wasn't necessarily shocked because I don't I I I know that there's been a lot of disgust amongst the community about the state of Cyberpunk and just the behavior of CD Project since they've gone, you know, as an IPO, as a publicly traded company. I know that there's been a lot of just general frustration confusion things of that nature uh -huh. um i saw that you know there was a hack and and you know i was thinking to myself well that's kind of it's kind of weird like what incentive would anyone have to hack them and then you get seven million dollars for the source code for these games it's definitely bizarre and i think that potentially you could see i guess to me it's really confusing. It's really bizarre. But I guess the thing that I could see being a possibility is the fact that potentially a competitor bought this source code to hurt their standing in the market mm -hmm. to really cripple them. And I know that there isn't, there's not necessarily a code when it comes to something like this because it's so unique to hear about this as far as when it comes to game development studios it's not totally uncommon to hire a competitor like if back in the day if you would consider halo and call of duty competitors during like halo 3 mw2 days they were absolutely competitors i don't think it would be so weird to hear of a call of duty of call of duty hiring someone from bungie or vice versa mm -hmm. but straight up buying the source code i don't know that there's necessarily a code for this and is it something that is frowned upon? That's something that I have no clue on on what ground I even stand on because it's just so bizarre. Mm -hmm. I would think that this is coming from a studio. It has to be coming from a big entity that has a lot of money, clearly. Mm -hmm. That's obviously goes without saying because of the price tag that comes with it. I am interested to see what comes of it. Who... Because whenever something like this happens, whenever something as shady as this, because this is a shady deal, um, source code was stolen, the hard work of people who made this game was stolen, mm -hmm. and then it was sold to someone else. Mm -hmm. So whenever you are an entity that makes this purchase, you have to realize that like there's no rules. Like whoever you bought it from is going to sell you out. Like what's gonna what's gonna happen if CD Projekt or another entity that a big investor in CD Projekt offers to hand you $5 million to tell you who, who sold or who you sold it to. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden your profits, $12 million on something like this. Right. So like it's, it's really shitty because it could come out being someone like, I don't think Bethesda or Zenimax would do it, but they had the money to like say a company like that did it. Mm 
-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, now your public image hurts because you basically reinforce this behavior. Like, that's the only thing that sucks about when it comes to hacking and dark market stuff is like, if you enforce this type of behavior, then it's not going to stop. So if nobody offered them the money to buy the source code, if everyone collectively blackballed whoever did it Uh and there's no market for it, then there's no reason to do it. But the minute that you legitimize it by buying this, now that all of a sudden there's a market for this to happen to more developers. Yeah. And now uh, a way of life that is already really like has a black eye, in my opinion, because of all the contract work, that means you don't have to offer benefits. You don't have to offer this. You don't have to offer that. Now, all of a sudden, all of your work and all of your hard work for years can just be taken away from you in a, a week, a week's time and sold to the highest bidder. And now all the work that you've done without benefits, without getting paid fairly is mm-hmm. just gone by the wayside. Like to me, that's a, a really bad thing. And I just don't really know I know how I feel about it. I know I feel really shitty about it because it's, it is, it's a, it's a shitty thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't know why you would ever incentivize someone to do this type of thing, because that's ultimately what you do whenever you create a market for someone to hack like this. Mm-hmm. No. And that's, and that's the thing that it's like, it's, it, it only hurts those. It doesn't hurt it really doesn't hurt CD Projekt Red overall in terms of like, oh, you know, The Witcher 3 is out there. It's one. It's heralded as one of the best games of all time. And, you know, what people want out of it, like you're saying, you can only imagine it's people who, you know, outside of other devs or people who want access to their engine or something like that, where it's like, you know, they want to be able to, you know, steal the secret sauce or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, you got to think like for a company like CD Projekt Red, they, it, there is no way in hell that they don't have multiple, multiple backups of these files and yeah. encrypted versions of these files. So they just fucking can't be stolen. Period. Like there's no way. And they even say I, the original article that, you know, kind of wrap or, you know, filled everyone in when this first broke. Uh, I believe I was reading the one on IGN about it that, they had a screenshot of it and it was just like they the hackers even said, now we understand you probably have backups of these files. It's like, okay, yeah, I get, you know, and sure, like they they may get the, you know, original source code of this or whatever. But at the end of the day, like this only hurts the people who, you know, work there, not, you know, the brand or whatever. Like to me, that's not it's it, it only hurts the devs and only hurts the people like associated with it not you know the overall brand even like it's so weird but like we're in 2021 where it's like to me i think of like from a restoration end of like when starcraft's original uh source code was kind of i think it was lost at one point but somebody had found they had bought it at like a garage sale or some shit like that but it was the used to be at least how when games of that era were being, you know, finished up and developed and whatnot, they used to have gold discs of them. It was, that's Mm -hmm. where you get the phrase gone gold. When we talk about like, Hey, the 1.0 version of this game is finished. It's being shipped out to get, you know, pressed to discs and whatnot or pressed, but you know, you get what I'm saying. Um, you know, so it's that, it's that, you know, emphasis that these gold discs used to be made in Starcraft's originally, 
I believe if I remember correctly was lost, but like somebody got it like a garage sale or some shit like that and found out what it was. It was the original source code to Starcraft. And like that from more from a present preservation end where it's like, yeah, granted Starcraft, you can go and it's free to play now and whatnot. But like that's, that's stuff from 20 years ago. That's where mm-hmm. it's more important to me where it's history. It's like, yeah, you know, CD Projekt Red, they're a smart group. They they know what to do. They know they've been making games for how long and they are still, no matter how tough this stretch is in terms of the dumbass mistakes they're making or, you know, stuff that the devs are getting, the actual people making these games, not the 1%, you know, the higher ups who, the people who are actually making this are getting shit on for no reason. Like, you know, it, the games that they're making now, they're heralded as some of the best games of all time. And grant, they have backups. They have this and that. But what if they don't? Like, what if they what if they start losing those backups? It's like, you only have access to that original source code at some point. And it's like, that's where it does get shitty because, you know, like I said, people make these games. It's not, it's just not, you know, oh, some random robot or something isn't designed to make this. It's not, the boogeyman doesn't make these games or whatever. It's not some fucking, you know, flying spaghetti monster. No, it's like fucking human beings who punch in and, you know, work long fucking hours to make these games. And it's, it's just them dealing with this fucking mess that just cause you didn't fucking like cyberpunk. Cool. I didn't really fucking like cyberpunk that much. Ended up being on my games of the year, you know, as honorable mentions, like, because a lot of the story elements were good, but I'll be honest, I haven't fucking thought of Cyberpunk since I beat it. But guess mm-hmm. what? I'm not going out fucking hiring somebody to try to steal a source code to fucking, who oh, you got pooned. <laughs> like, no, like, fucking grow up. Like, these are people's livelihoods and shit like this. And now they got to fucking deal with that. And guess what? These guys are going to kind of get, probably get fucked over because they're stupid enough to leave from what it sounds like a a paper trail to them from what it sounds like that it seems like it's going to be pretty easy to catch who did this. Like, mm-hmm. like just why would you do it? I, I just don't understand. Like if you're, if you're somebody who is a fan of games, because clearly they are, it wouldn't be fucking Joe Schmo going out there and getting it. It's not like EA or Activision. It wasn't call of duty or anything like that. Like cyberpunk and CD project red in general are still a semi niche developer for people who aren't within gaming like it had to be somebody who who plays games and whatnot or is at least familiar with games to go in and get that so like it, it just it just fucking frustrates me like i i just there's no point there's no point like what do you uh, you get this you get a payout of seven million somebody's dumb enough to do that like these games are they it's like bethesda games they leave the back door open for the most part. You can go in there. You can work on mods. They encourage you to make things out of these games for the most part. I mean, like most engines now. I mean, fuck. Look at look at Unreal Engine. It's fucking next to nothing to get in there and use that product and make stuff like and that's the biggest fucking engine in the world. Most of your favorite games are made in the Unreal Engine. It's like <laughs> it's right there. You can go do it. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just fucking frustrates. Shit like this frustrate, frustrates me because people just think it's like, like, oh, one person made this fucking game. Let's let's get them. No, it's like there are hundreds of people who made this fucking game. And just because you didn't like it, you want to fucking try to pull one over on them. Like, yeah, and it's not like um... and it only hurts because guess what? Like, even if the fucking game, you don't like it, it's still like it still is a moment in history for games that 
long term, guess what? If they fucking lose that, they lose their backups or something fucking happens and they run out of backups or something or the cloud, something happens with their cloud servers and they lose it or something like that. Guess what? It's fucking gone then. They don't yeah. have access to that. And maybe it is a game somebody liked and they can't bring back. And guess what? This game is still important to the history of gaming that it needs to be in the right people's hands. I'm sh- you can, like I said, if you really want to dig around and fucking access it or you want to go and fucking cheat in Gwent, like, I just, because uh, Gwent was the first one from supposedly that has started to leak online now. That it's like, really? Gwent, the fucking like, add on to the game like the game within the game that's that's, yeah that's what the mobile phone game and i mean granted you can play it on pc as well but like the fucking hearthstone-esque portion of the witcher that's what (laughs) i don't know i'm just zen peace zen yeah it's like you're just going out and you're just trying to like i'm a big mr robot fan and Mm -hmm. I, i love that show and you know i might not have necessarily agreed with the tactics or anything of that nature but you didn't like they knew the gravity of the situation and while elliot was obviously going through his multiple personality issues during Mm -hmm. the entire show spoiler alert if you haven't seen mr robot please go watch it that's all the more i'll say about that's a spoiler (laughs) i just realized i spoiled some of it but like they knew the gravity of the situation right this feels like something that was uncalculated Mm -hmm. whenever you make a hack like this you're almost always going like, yeah, you might be able to get to the data and in this case, steal it, but you're always going to leave a footprint behind right. like, with something like this. Like people are always kind of going to find out what, who or what. So you are literally just, you're basically just being a dick. And I know that like, there's a lot of hackers out there that are literally just dicks. Yeah. And that's a part of the issue with the hacking community as far as with, with like, something that comes to mind is like snowed in now obviously right. not going to get get into the politic politics of all that shit but like they're the type of people that have to get hired by the government because it's like you're the best at what you do because you have a brain and you're just a dick like instead of like actually using your brain for good things this is what you do with it mm-hmm. like you are clearly very intelligent you're very good at the hack you're very good at hacking you could do a lot of good with this, but instead you are just going to steal the the files and just ruin people's lives because that's ultimately what's going to happen. You're going to drive the stock down for CD Projekt Red, which is going to cost, it's not going to cost the millionaires. They're not the ones that are going to feel this. Like, yeah, are they going to feel it? Sure, they're going to feel it in their pocket when the stock goes down, but it's the people that are going to get, that are going to lose their jobs because the stock goes down because now there's going to be less money to go around. And like, it's going to be everyday people that you're going to cost. And it's like all just to prove a point. Like, if you don't do your job good enough, we're going to take it from you. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm by all means, like, I'm all about holding people accountable, but do it with your fucking wallet. Like, the biggest problem with CD Projekt Red and people, it was that people saw how bad it was, but they still bought it. Like you still bought the game. If you're mad about buying the game, that's your bad. Right. I have long paid the price for buying shitty games without doing my due diligence of research. And I have made sure that I won't make the same mistakes again. The only game that I willingly throw away $60 at every year is fucking NHL. And it's because it's the only place I can get it. It's right. my favorite sport. I love hockey. It's my favorite sport to play the game. Um, so I willingly hand over 60 bucks knowing that EA is just betting me over every time I do it. But like with CD Projekt Red, with Cyberpunk, 
all the pre-release games and everything, you saw how bad it was and you still bought it. Like that's your bad. Right. Start making the companies pay by not buying their shit. Right. Stop buying the games. Yep. That's the only way you're going to send your message across these people. Hacking their codes and everything isn't going to do anything. They're still going to make shitty games going forward. Mm-hmm. They're just going to make it harder for you to hack. <laughs> they're going to make they're going to be less forthcoming with the mods. Like I guess one thing that they could have done is just release the source code and been like, well, here it is. Like, if you want to do anything with our games, here you go, which is probably what's going to wind up happening. Like exactly what Bethesda does with their games. Like if you want to mod it, that's great. Here you go. Have fun with it. We're not going to let you extort us for money. You know what I mean? Right. No, definitely. And that's like, um, you know, like you were saying too, most of the time, these hackers, these people who are, you know, doing this, you know, they end up leaving a, a footprint. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that like, it sounds like they're going to get caught. And like, Absolutely. that's the thing that, you know, it, it's, it's the age old statement and it's kind of boomerish, but it's very much true. Like it really is true that the internet is not written in pencil it is written in pen and it's written in ink that you can erase it. You could try to, but it's still there. There's still the marking there. And you know, it's, you can't, you can't get rid of it. So Anyways, Mike, after all of that, let's move on to our last one before we get any more pissed off. <laughs> Microsoft creates a new subsidiary. Subsidiary. I am struggling to get like some of these basic words out. Microsoft creates a new subsidiary called Vault to man or to merge with Fallout maker Zenimax Media. This comes from Wesley Inpool over on Eurogamer. Eurogamer. I'm doing it again. <laughs> over on Eurogamer. As always, link in the description. Microsoft has created a new subsidiary called Vault to merge with ZeniMax as part of its proposed takeover of the company. A document posted on the European Commission website uh, reveals Microsoft plans to secure approval for its $7.5 billion acquisition of ZeniMax. Quote, the concentration is accompanied by way of a merger pursuit to which a newly created Microsoft subsidiary, quote, Vault, uh, will be merged with and into ZeniMax. The use, uh, the use of the name Vault for the subsidiary is surely a nod to Bethesda's Fallout series, which contains a raft of vaults meant to protect people from nuclear destruction. Spoilers, those vaults always are, aren't always uh, what they appear to be. Of course, Microsoft would retain sole control of the whole of ZeniMax, which also makes and publishes the likes of Elder Scrolls and Doom. The creation of subsidiaries to house-bought companies is a common tactic in the corporate world. In fact, EA has recently done that, the same thing, creating a subsidiary called Codex Games Limited that will become the owner of Codemasters once that deal is, has finally gone through. The commission's antitrust regulators have invited, or yeah, invited interest interested third parties to submit their observation on Microsoft's ZeniMax deal to the commission by the fifteenth of February this year. The EU will make a decision by the fifth of March. It sounds like this one will likely go through, though. Quote. On preliminary examination, the commission finds that the notified transaction could fall within the scope of the merger regulations, reads the note. However, the final decision on this point is reserved. So, like Wesley mentioned in the article, a move like this isn't uncommon to be seen in, you know, regards to acquisitions, even in gaming, citing EA's purchase of Codemasters. But, you know, what could this mean, I guess, on a larger scale for Bethesda exclusivity discussions in, you know, what it could mean, I guess I should be saying, you know, but what could this mean on a larger scale for Bethesda's exclusivity discussions is pretty interesting to say the least, you know, 
could this creation of the subsidiary lend credence to the thought that Fallout could specifically be a Microsoft exclusive in the future, or even, you know, Elder Scrolls for that matter, you know? Or are, I think are people might, you know, potentially reading into this a little too much. What do you think about all this? Um, I see a subsidiary like Vault being created. And I mean, the name is pretty insidious, right? Like mm-hmm. the name pretty much speaks volumes for itself, right? Right. Um, I would say... I would say that this deal in particular mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily mean that they are looking to I don't necessarily buy into the fact I don't necessarily buy into the opinion or the thought process that this means that they are going to make Fallout exclusive. What I am buying into is the fact that they are going to begin trying to split up. They might be attempting to split up the team a little bit as to whose niche is it to make Fallout and whose niche is it to make Oblivion or Elder Scrolls games. Because let's face it, as Microsoft is looking for first party exclusives, like there needs to be a ramp up. And if one of their agreements with Zenimax is that they can't make Fallout or Elder Scrolls or one or the other exclusive, Uh then absolutely I could see Fallout being exclusive. But this to me means like maybe they're looking to pick up the pace with the Elder Scrolls and Fallout drops. Uh Like you, maybe Microsoft is looking at them like, okay, we won't make your games exclusive, but you got to come out with fucking Elder Scrolls games more than every fucking (laughs) 11 years, dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like you can't just keep making, remaking, um, you just can't keep remaking uh, Skyrim and expect that to cut it. Like, mm. it's just not going to do it, dude. Like, if you're going to be a part of us, which you are now, we bought you. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to come out with other Scrolls games faster than you have been coming out with. We need more cash flow. We need you to do more. And if that's the case, like, by all means, that's that's perfect. Like, if they separate it a little bit, make it make the team vault, make this vault team. Mm-hmm. And then they might also make a new subsidiary that has a name to do with Elder Scrolls. And it's like then they can kind of flesh out a little bit of the teams to decide like who's going to work on what, but there's always like, if they don't separate the teams from, uh, from like Maryland, then like, because there's already the team in Austin, like uh-huh. if they kind of are allowed to work in the same area still, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be cross pollination. It just means that your main goal is going to be to work on this game. But when we need to, when we need to tap on you, you're still going to be there. Because there's no, like, disguising the fact that there's genius with the quest lines mm-hmm. with these games, both Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, they're similar in certain ways, but they're different in other ways. And it, it, you can tell that each game has its own footprint. And if you flesh out the teams, like, it it does concern me because it means that Elder Scrolls could lose a little bit of Fallout taste and, and vice versa. But I still think that, like, if they're all still making it in Rockville, Maryland, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to be on a different floor of the building, how hard is it to press the elevator button and go up or like all Americans and 
human beings, one of my biggest things is like, if you're not going 10 floors, use the stairs. It's just an easy way to get a couple steps in. It gets your heart flowing, can get your brain flowing, yada, yada. I park as far away from the store. Like I'm still overweight, but I park as, as far away from the store as I can because A, I don't have to deal with as many idiots. B, I don't have to hopefully deal with people running their shit into my car. Mm-hmm. And C, I get a little bit more exercise. Like if, if you're only a floor away, who gives a shit if you're working on a different game a majority of the time? If they come by and say, hey, man, we have this quest line. But you know who it needs? Like, let's say you're working at Rockville, but mm-hmm. you're on Team Vault, and I'm working on the Elder Scrolls game, and I'm the head creative director. And I come down there, and I'm like, you know what we're really missing is we're missing Travis White's handprint on this. Mm-hmm. You've done a great job in the past. We really need some help with some ideas. Can you help us? Mm-hmm. Like, that's still perfectly plausible. And until they separate these teams, if they send Vault to to siberia then i'll be worried but as of now this doesn't concern me all that much it just means that i think that they're going to try to break it break up the team a little bit because one whole team of bethesda is is concerning because they've already been outsourcing fallout games as it is Mm -hmm. so maybe that this vault maneuver also as like kind of like a, a, a a flyaway note maybe this vault move means that they are going to potentially try to separate and make a run at taking um oh the name uh the team that made fallout new vegas and they just made outer world oh, not outer wild like maybe they're going to try to pick up obsidian and put them in the vault mm-hmm. in, in their vault team like that's something that that's a next logical step and makes sense mm-hmm. and then then is when you start to think of like obsidian's going to be an ip like mm-hmm. that's what's going to ha- end up happening to them and I'm sorry, but like you're gonna get Fallout. You might get you might get Fallout. You're probably gonna get Outer Scrolls on PS4, uh-huh. but you're not gonna get an Obsidian's game. Then I'm sorry about it. Like it is what it is. We don't get plenty. Of, we've had this discussion many a times. We don't get enough of play, uh, PlayStation's beautiful games. You know that's one that they can wait on or hold out from getting. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. No, definitely and. I, I think this has less to do with, you know, exclusivity and stuff like that. But I think it provides the skeleton for attempts to kind of not condense, but like they seem to like Microsoft seems to like specific studios covering specific things. Like when you mm-hmm. look, they created three, four, three industries to do Halo. They created yep. the coalition to do gears. So like they kind of, you know, like to have those ducks in a line and kind of, I don't want to say confinements to there, but like have these specific kind of entities to house specific franchises. And not that Bethesda wouldn't have that to begin with coming in there, but Bethesda in general is a pretty broad gaming entity. Like when they come in, they're, you're bringing in, like, I mean, before it was Zenimax. Zenimax oversaw Bethesda, but Bethesda was a much more prominent name in gaming than Zenimax, even though Zenimax oversaw Bethesda. But when you bring it into Microsoft, that's when you get, okay, well, it's Microsoft, then Zenimax, then Bethesda. It, 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 there needs to be, it does feel like there needs to be a little more shuffling around, like where we may see Zenimax, the name Zenimax kind of disappear. We may see you know, Bethesda and more, you know, hey, they're going to fall in vault where you see, you know, Bethesda Game Studios 
Maryland and Rockville and Austin and whatnot, that may just become, you know, vault or, hey, one of those teams just may become vault in general. That may be the, hey, this is the primary Fallout studio. Hey, this, you know, the Rockville studio is the primary Elder Scrolls studio or something like that. Who knows? But I feel like because of Bethesda being so fucking big as they are and ZeniMax in general so big as they are coming into an already humongous entity in Microsoft, there might need to be some, you know, just organizational logistical formatting to make it all fit properly and logistically and, you know, synergy and all that bullshit, you know? So I can see something like that more than exclusivity. I think this more is just getting more ducks in a row and, you know, it could be as simple as the legality of it and housing, having a place to just house this acquisition already to come in and pop it in perfectly. But who knows? I, I think it's more on that end, but at the same time too, the fact that they're naming it Vault could also indicate like, hey, you know, cool. Elder Scrolls is a much bigger franchise than Fallout in terms of, you know, historically and long term and what people I think are, you know, long term going to remember Bethesda for. But mm-hmm. that may be, hey, we're keeping that third party. Hey, we're going to let that go, you know, outside of its parameters or outside of just the Xbox parameters and we're going to have it on Nintendo switch. We're going to have it on PlayStation. We're going to do all that, you know, where fallout may be, Hey, this is where you can get fallout at Xbox platforms or Xbox ecosystem is where to play fallout. And you know, that may be an indication to that. I have no idea. I, at this point I've given up on trying to dissect what the fuck's going on with all of that, because there's one week, yeah, it's definitely happened next week. No, no, no. We we never said that. Okay, whatever. So I'm just, <laughs> yeah. until until we get that fucking official statement from Phil Spencer or the fucking, we get across our desk, the, the PR blast or something like that, I am not saying anything. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying it, until it happens, it, it is what it is. I, I have no idea. So um, who the hell knows? I, I think, like I said, I think it's more logistical and you know just to maybe tighten up like housekeeping right housekeeping perfect yes exactly something like that that kind of streamlines a lot of things because just because there's so many various entities with you know zenimax alone coming in it it just wouldn't make a lot of sense um on my end at least but i digress mike send the party chat for this week before we wrap up the show if you're new to the show party chat is where we propose one question at the end of the show each week that we want to just discuss with you the audience could be as simple as what's your favorite story beat within a game what have you been playing during the fucking shit show of a pandemic that we've been in forever that sucks or could be a little more in depth as to why the negative stigma in gaming still exists and after answering that question ourselves we'll kick it over to you to tweet your responses to the question over on our twitter at gpgc podcast and we'll read some of the responses the following week you'd also email us as well um our emails over on our twitter as well but last week's question will microsoft add another studio to their portfolio whether by acquisition or internally in 2021 and aaron t wrote over to us saying yes definitely possible but i could also just see timed exclusive deals when it comes to certain gate with certain game pillars like sega which sega's always been one of those like uh, it's always rumored, oh, that's the next big one that Microsoft's going to buy. They're going to just buy Sega. And it's, that's such a big buy, but at the same time, they just bought fucking Bethesda, so who the hell knows? Um, 
But uh, I could definitely see maybe going down that road where, hey, all Sega releases coming out within the next year that Sega's technically publishing are timed exclusives with Microsoft. But who knows? This week's question, though, Mike, how many new and we're talking non-released games yet that weren't already released, yada, yada, not including them, brand new games within the Microsoft ecosystem? How many are going to be exclusive this year? We're talking Xbox and PC titles. Do you think they'll be released by 2021? New Microsoft exclusives on Xbox and PC. How many do you think will be released by the end of 2021? Uh, this. <laughs> um, since 2020 was such a dud and they just released a console mm-hmm. and I know Halo Infinite, like, believe me, I have been one who has said Halo Infinite is going to get delayed. It's going to get delayed. I don't think there's any way that Halo Infinite can can be delayed past 2021. So that's going to be one that certainly makes it out. Right. You would think if Star like if Starfield's actually cl- closer to done in the oven and they wind up making that exclusive, which we've talked about, could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. That's at least two, and then you got to count like all the other games, like the Perfect Dark game. That's just been so. Everything's been so hush-hush at Microsoft. It's, it's really hard to really take a stab at this. But I, I would say, like, based on the dud that that happened with the release of the Series X, I could see, like, seven games come out this mm-hmm. year. Um, seven even might feel a bit light. I would say eight would probably be a safe bet. I like even numbers more than odd. Mm-hmm. So I'll say eight. Eight games I could I could definitely see coming out. But again, like, that even feels light. It could be way more. But I'm going to stick with eight. Yeah, at this point, and you bringing up Starfield is actually really interesting because I've I've heard from a few places that internally 2021 is the year. Who knows, though, that could also mm-hmm. change. But from it sounds like from a Microsoft end, they are planning on that. Um, and I believe the Xbox two podcast brought that up last week, something like that. I saw that floating around as well, something they heard as well. Um but who knows? Who the hell knows, obviously. Uh, but more stuff has begun leaking with Starfield. We've seen more, supposed more screenshots and different things like that. So as more smoke comes, that means there's a fire closer. So who knows? It eventually has to come out. I We haven't heard anything for three years now almost about Starfield. And Bethesda is notorious for not talking about their games until they're like six months out. Um, or like revealing them officially at all in general. So them talking about um, talking about uh, Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six a couple years ago at E three was like that was that is a outlier. So you know it, it wouldn't shock me if this year is the year. Hey, we find out about Starfield. Hey, it's coming out this year. Um, I, I think that would be a good push for Xbox this holiday. Um, I, I'm kind of in the same boat when it comes down to there's stuff we obviously don't know about yet. Um, where does Hellblade land? The or Hellblade Two, I should say. Um, you know, where's that land? Is that a 2021 game? Is that a 2022 game? Um, I tend to think, depending on the scope of this game, um, if that's going to be a 2021 game, because um, the first Hellblade game wasn't that long of a game. Um, granted, it. it, it that shouldn't matter necessarily because it is a very graphically intensive game. And it's also made by a small, like Ninja theory is a small studio. So it's, you know, not completely, you know, they don't have the, um, 
343 type of bandwidth within their studio to necessarily do that. Plus they're working on three different projects already alone. So, you know, that's a lot of undertaking, uh, let alone, you know, I'm sure small maintenance to, you know, bleeding edge or whatever, even though they said they're not going to support it with content, but you know, so it's, you know, you think about that, you think about the stuff we don't know about yet that I'm sure, you know, here in a couple months, we're going to be hearing from Phil Spencer again, talking about an Xbox game showcase. You know, it's going to happen. We're going to learn more about games. They have stuff in the oven they don't want to talk about. Obviously, Perfect Dark isn't anywhere close. I would think that's probably got a couple years down the road still. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm going to say five in terms of like AAA exclusives with indies. You know what? What did you say, Mike? Eight? Seven? Yeah. You said eight. I'm going to go... Eight. Okay, I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go okay. seven. That's including indie as, as well. Um, I think 12 Minutes also falls into that. Uh, the indie game that has Daisy Ridley and uh, Willem Dafoe in it um, that I'm really excited about. I'm really fucking excited to play that game because that has been in development for so long. Um, so I'm excited to play that. But I, I want to say seven. I'm going to say seven that includes some indies in there as well. But... Mike, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you? Talk about all the things we talked about, whether it's the new mysterious project from 343 in the Halo universe, supposedly, whether it's CD Projekt Red and how shitty hackers can be at times or any of the stuff we talked about. Where can people find you on the interwebs to talk about all of the nerdy news that we did today? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at t-o-y-s-x-l-d-i-e-r that's toy soldier but the second o is an x or you can find me on twitch at mp underscore toy soldier and as always i'm your host travis white aka travelus on most internet platforms including at travelus on twitter that's Travis underscore T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can find also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash travelus underscore same as twitter and if you ever want to play some video games with me, you can do so over on Xbox Live at just regular Travelist. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So, be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz, wherever you get a podcast at, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. And with that being said, Mike, that's going to be it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.